podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast on Friday, the 6th of January. And we begin on a very, very somber note. Gianluca Vialli has passed away. The Italian striker, manager, formerly of Cremonese, Sampdoria, Juventus and Chelsea as a player. Chelsea and Watford as a manager has died at the age of 58 after a long battle with cancer. Viali was an amazing footballer. Came to real prominence at Sampdoria, 
forming a strike partnership with Roberto Mancini that is one of the best front pairings the game has ever seen. Despite only being 5'11", Viali was fantastically powerful. He was very quick. He had great control. He was a phenomenal striker of the ball. Arguably, along with Mark Hughes, the best volleyer of a football the game has ever seen. Overhead kicks, it didn't matter. Viali could contort his body, get venom behind his shot and find the net. Was part of the greatest Sampdoria team of all time. Won three Coppa Italias, won Serie A, won the Cup Winners' Cup. Got to the final of the European Cup just before it became the Champions League. He was an incredible player for Sampdoria. Moved on to Juventus, won Serie A, won the Coppa Italia, captained them to the European Cup in 96, also won the UEFA Cup. One of only a few players who won all three major European honours. Moved on to Chelsea, won an FA Cup, took over as player manager, won the League Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup again. He was part of the Italian squad in 1990 that reached the semi-final of the World Cup and ended up finishing third. Didn't play nearly enough for the Italian national team and basically retired from the national team at the age of 28. Didn't have a good relationship with Arrigo Sacchi and that kind of put put an end to him playing for the national team, but he was a tremendous player. And everything you ever heard about him was that as good a player as he was, he was an even better person. And everybody that had any kind of contact with him speaks about how warm he was, how helpful he was, how he would go out of his way to make others feel comfortable in his presence. He wrote a book called The Italian Job, a journey to the heart of two great footballing cultures with his friend and highly respected journalist, Gabriel Marcotti, who I'm sure is, you know, dealing with a lot of grief today. I saw Graham Souness almost in tears while talking about Viali on Sky. And that's Graham Souness, he's one of the hardest men there's ever been. It, it doesn't look like he knows what, being upset is and yet he was on the verge of tears he was holding back tears talking about his friend that he played together with at Sampdoria and I'm sure in the coming days we will see and hear and read many many people talk about what a wonderful person he is I always admired the way he threw himself into the English culture. And even after even after leaving Chelsea, even after leaving Watford, he continued to live in London. He met his wife in England, married, had two kids. Five-year battle, but a four-year battle with pancreatic cancer. He'd been given the all-clear 
in April of 2020, but it came back in December 2021 and he fought as long and as hard as he could. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And, you know, 58 is no age. But the impact he made on the game as a player in Italy and then as a player coming to England in the mid-90s, part of that first real influx of high-level European players, big-name stars coming to the Premier League, obviously off the back of the 94 World Cup, we'd seen some arrive. Then there was the likes of Hullet, who was a little bit past his best, but still great. Burkamp, who was coming off a downtime at Inter, where it hadn't gone the way he had hoped, even though he'd actually done very well individually, the team didn't have success, and he was blamed for a lot of that by a very silly fan base. But Viali had just won the European Cup. The last image we had of him was him lifting the European Cup for Juventus. He was part of that amazing front three with Ravinelli and Del Piero. And from there, he joins Chelsea. And that's kind of the beginning. Obviously, they they brought in Glenn Hoddle as manager. He brought in Ruud Hullet. Hullet had become the player manager. Hullet signed Viali. And that was sort of the beginning of Chelsea becoming what we know today. Now, obviously, Roman Abramovich arriving in 03 is the preeminent moment in the history of Chelsea Football Club, but the arrival of the likes of Hullet and Viali was the beginning of it all for two reasons. Number one, they started to win and they started to build a culture of winning and having success and bringing trophies back to Stamford Bridge. And number two, they overspent to do all these things, got themselves in a financial hole, which is why Ken Bates had to go and seek someone like Abramovich to buy him out. But for for one player to be part of two great teams is unusual. You do see it from time to time, obviously. But Viali was part of a great, great Sampdoria team. Probably the best Sampdoria team. No, no, definitely the best Sampdoria team ever. And then he was part of a great Juventus team. The last Juventus team to win the European Cup, remember. Just a fantastic player. And by all accounts, a fantastic man. He'll be sadly missed. And, you know, we lose him. A week ago, we lost Pele. Now, Pele was 82. So, it it was expected that, you know, Pele would pass on in the next however many years nobody wanted it to happen nobody was looking forward to that day everybody was dreading that day because Pele is obviously one of the greatest players the game has ever had but you know you, you think back it's only what three four weeks since we lost Sanisa Mihailovic three weeks since we lost Mihailovic at 53 all three of them to cancer 
it is the cruelest, most horrible affliction. And it affects so many. And, uh, you know, it's affected people in my family. I lost one of my cousins at 34. I lost one of my childhood best friends at 36. Both my grandmother and my uncle overcame it. But it's something like there are other afflictions like ALS, obviously, that are horrendous. And you wouldn't wish them on your worst enemy, but they're they're rarer. Everybody, everybody knows somebody who has had cancer or who has passed away through cancer. Everybody. And yet, as much money as they continue to throw into it, we still don't have we still don't have real results. And if there was one thing you could take off this world and just rid us rid us of it forever, that would be it, surely. Rest in peace, Gianluca. While you were here, you made an enormous impact and my thoughts are with his his family, his friends, his two daughters, Olivia and Sophia, his w- wife, Catherine. There's, there's no words that are going to make up for the horror they're feeling today. But we must move on. And what we'll do is we'll go to the gossip. We'll go to an early break. And when we come back, myself and Guy, we'll go through the FA Cup and the 32 games that are being played this weekend. And we'll go through them quickly because we don't want to stay here all day. But um, I'm shook. I am shook today. The David Gold um, passing the other day shook me a little bit. And I and I don't really know why. Because at 86, you know, he'd lived a good and full life. But I, I was... Trying to think afterwards, I don't remember the last time the owner of a Premier League club, I think it was more the surprise that the owner of a Premier League club passed away because I don't remember the last time that happened. And I'm sure I'm over, other than other than the Leicester owner, and obviously that was in tragic circumstances, but I don't remember the last time a Premier League owner passed away other than that, and it's it's just unusual. So I think it just surprised me more than anything. Anyway, on to the gossip. Manchester United have held initial talks about signing Axel de Sassi from Monaco, but the 24-year-old has been tracked by a number of rival Premier League clubs. Very very good defender, big and powerful. A little bit error-prone, but a good, powerful defender. Um, I'm not sure Monaco would be open to a sale, having just sold Badi Achille, but, you know, I could see him... For a manager that wants to play a high line, I I could see the logic in it. Real Madrid are becoming increasingly optimistic of their chances of beating Liverpool to the signing of Jude Bellingham. Netherlands midfielder Frankie de Jong is one of four Barcelona players not available for sale this month. I'm sure there's more than four. Ajax have set a £40 million price tag for Mohamed Kudus, who is wanted by Manchester United. Manchester United are interested in Eintracht Frankfurt's 24-year-old Randall Colomuani. Have I gone on ManchesterUnited.com here? BBC seem obsessed with the United nonsense. 
Southampton are looking at the possibility of signing Michael Keane from Everton. That's by David Ornstein, so you can take that one to the bank. Southampton have agreed a £6 million fee with Dinamo Zagreb from Mislav Orsic. The BBC are crediting this news to Fabrizio Romano, who just stole it off a local Southampton reporter. Leicester have inquired about signing Lorenz, 20-year-old Burkino Faso winger Dango Uatera. I'm going to go with Uatera. I'm prepared to be very wrong. He looks a player from the clips that I watched on YouTube because I, I haven't watched a ton of Laurent this season. The French League annoys me, so I've kind of gone off watching it. Uh, I like to watch the highlights of the game, but obviously I have no idea what the commentary is saying. I don't speak French. Uh, I spoke basic French in school and gave up on it because that's what I do. Um, and I watch them mostly to watch Enzo Lafie, who fascinates me, but is far too small to play in a Liverpool midfield, so I wish Liverpool fans would stop talking about him. Six leading figures from the Premier League Football Football Association and English Football League will meet on Friday to discuss reforms to the English football calendar, including the scrapping of FA Cup replays and the option for teams competing in Europe to field youth sides in the EFL Cup. Just leave teams competing in Europe out of the EFL Cup. Just leave them out of it. They don't need to be in it. Make it so that the top eight, take the the eight European qualifiers from the Premier League, or is it seven? It's seven, isn't it? Take them out and give the spots to the seven highest finishers in the Football League, sorry, the National League. And that will solve that problem. Uh, But yeah, do scrap FA Cup replays. That would be a good idea. Former England and Everton striker Wayne Rooney is on the Toffees shortlist to become the new manager if they decide to sack Frank Lampard. This would be a dreadful move by all parties. Um, Rooney did well at Derby because it was easy to do well at a club where it's easy to build a siege mentality. But they did still get relegated. And he did only win 28.2% of his games. Since going to DC United, he's overseen 14 games and won two of them. This would be a silly, silly move by Everton. It would be a very Everton move. Manchester United have made a loan offer to Atletico Madrid for João Felix, while Arsenal are also monitoring the 23-year-old Portuguese forward. Juventus and Borussia Dortmund are monitoring, love the word monitoring, Aston Villa's 19-year-old English midfielder, Tim, I, I'm not even going to try, who is currently an owner at QPR. I know the midfielder, I know he's a good player, he's very promising. Uh, speaking of promising Aston Villa midfielders, by God did Stephen Jared make a mess of the Carney Chukwemeka situation. He was really good when he came on last night. We'll talk about that just before the break. Um, Ukraine midfielder Mikhail Mudrik has informed Shakhtar Donetsk he wants to join Arsenal. Um, Tom Gott and Graham Bailey, I'm prepared to call spoof. Shakhtar director Dario Serna dined with former Arsenal players Willian and Eduardo in London on Thursday. He actually dined with former Shakhtar Donetsk players Willian 
and Eduardo. He was at the Chelsea game talking to Chelsea about Mikhailo Mudrik. However, Chelsea are still hopeful of sealing a deal. Coventry City could move for 31-year-old English midfielder Jamie Patterson, who's out of favour with Swansea City. Fair play. Right, Premier League last night, we had one game. It ended 1-0. Manchester City with the victory over Chelsea. Uh, Riyad Mahrez with the only goal of the game on 63 minutes, converting uh, a poor Jack Grealish cross that Grealish himself said he was amazed it reached Mahrez. Uh, I'm not sure what Kepa was doing, but that is some of the worst goalkeeping you'll ever see. He did it again on a De Bruyne cross from the other side. I'm really not sure why he does that. He kind of guides the ball across his own goal without putting a hand to it. Really poor goalkeeping. Chelsea, to their credit, played quite well in the first half of this game. Uh, The game began in weird circumstances where Raheem Sterling was injured after about three minutes in a challenge with John Stones. He had to go off. Not long after, Christian Pulisic got injured, so he had to go off, and Chelsea had to change their game plan. They brought on Aubameyang for Sterling. They brought on Chukwemeka for Pulisic, and they dominated the game for large parts and had the best chances. City lined up in a ridiculous formation and were largely dreadful in the first half. Erling Haaland didn't touch the ball in the first 20 minutes of the game. And this is what I've been saying. I think he's made City worse because you're basically playing with 10 men. You're making it much harder for your teammates. He doesn't show for the ball. He doesn't make runs into the channel. He basically stands where he stands. And if they don't give him the ball, he's not going to do anything. He'll turn and sprint into the box because he might get a goal, but he doesn't want to work for the team by the looks of it. An off ball. When City don't have it, he just stands around. He'll make the odd token gesture attempt at closing someone down. But it's all very, very poor. The goal scoring is phenomenal, obviously. But all things considered, I'm not I'm not overly enamoured with Erling Haaland thus far. And if I was a City fan... I'm not sure I'd be too impressed with Pep. Now, not that Pep isn't a great manager. He obviously is. He's the best manager City could possibly have. But when I say I wouldn't be too impressed with Pep, I mean, he hasn't hasn't found a way to make this click yet. And I do think there are some obvious ways to make it happen. I think you could shift the shape to a 4-4-2 type of shape play Alvarez and Haaland through the middle, so you have at least one who'll work centre-backs and press them and harry them and do those type of things. Play De Bruyne on the right, Foden on the left, and maximise the two best crosses of the ball you have. Play Joao Canseo at left-back so he can underlap Foden. That combination has worked brilliantly for City in the past. Gundogan and Rodri in midfield, and if you want more solidity, solidity, you can bring in Calvin Phillips, now that he's seemingly lost a bit of weight, uh, to play next to Rodri. Your back line should pick itself, Walker, Diaz, Laporte, 
and Canseo. Now, I know Laporte is currently injured. Um, Diaz missed out last night as well. But I think it's a fairly simple fix to just minimize the damage Haaland does to you when your team doesn't have the ball and maximize the incredible abilities he has as a goal scorer. Now, is Kevin De Bruyne going to be all that happy about being relegated to playing right wing? Maybe, maybe not. But when City were great, that's predominantly the role he played. And you're not asking him to get chalk on his boots. He can play it narrow and shift outside because he'll have Walker or Rico Lewis, who does look a star overlapping. I do think for, for City, it's a simple enough fix. You've just got to find ways to mitigate the weak points of Haaland and maximize the strong points. You're going to be playing with 10 men. You don't have the ball, but you've got the likes of Alvarez, who seems to have a third lung. He he can do a whole lot of running. He did a whole lot of running for Lionel Messi at the World Cup. A whole lot of it. And Argentina ended up winning the whole competition. So, you know, for Chelsea, they looked better. They did look a bit better. Uh, is defending is, is an issue. That's why I've been saying he's not a back three, a back three centre back. He's a wing back. He, he needs to play as a wing back, but right now they can't play with wing backs because they've no Reese James. Um, I, I was looking at their team last night. Arisa Balaga, Aspilaqueta, Silva, Kulabali, Kukurela. Zakaria, Kovic, Zakaria, by the way, very good last night. Kovacic, very good last night. Zayic, Sterling, Pulisic, Havertz with a bench of Jorginho, Aubameyang, Bettinelli, Chalaba, Gallagher, Chukwemeka, Bashir Humphreys, who's not a player I'm familiar with, Omari Hutchinson, the young fellow they robbed off Arsenal in the summer, and Lewis Hall, who came on and looked quite impressive. Um, They spent 300... To take that out, it's 320. No, that's wrong. It was 260 in the summer. Yeah, 320. They spent 320 million uh, since Bowley took over. Plus the 64 in Kunku. In the summers before Bowley, they spent 100 million on. Lukaku, the year before that, they spent 220 million. So they spent 640 million plus the 60 million that they've banked in for uh, Nkunku, and that's what they've come up with. I know they've got a couple of injuries, but that's what you've come up with. And the two predominant players that were missing Reese James, who's an academy player, and Mason Mount, who's also an academy player. This might be some of the worst recruitment we've ever seen. I saw some idiot last night put put out his uh, Chelsea 2024 uh, dream. Let me see if I can find this quickly, because this this was even for even for the stupidity of Twitter. This was a a fairly a fairly shocker a fairly shocking thing. Um, where is this?
Here we go. So it has Slanina in goal, who's 19. So that's a problem straight away. A back four of James Fafana, Levi Colwell, and Mark Kukurea. So not Baddy Ashile, Colwell. Now, I think Colwell's a superbly talented defender. But if I had to bet, I'd bet he's not a Chelsea player next season. So you've got two wing-backs as full-backs and two young centre-backs, both of whom are error-prone. In central midfield, this idiot has gone for Enzo Fernandez and Declan Rice, which I, I actually could see working as a pairing because it would allow Rice to play as a box-to-box midfielder. But there's another 200-plus million in spending on top of what they've already spent. Then in Kunku as a 10, Raheem Sterling on the right wing in a 4-2-3-1 is just not going to work. Uh, Mikhailo Mudrik, all 80 million of them on the left wing. So there's 280 million on top of what they've already spent. And then Ivan Tony up front. I love Ivan Tony, but he'll cost 50 million. So there's another 330 million on top of what they've already spent. Have an 18 year old goalkeeper, an error prone pair of centre backs, and a striker facing an extended ban from football for gambling. These people don't live in the real world. In the real world, though, uh, it looks like there's something serious going on with Jaden Sancho. Now, he's obviously been out for a little while, and the talk was that there was an internal disciplinary matter, but I was listening to Eric Ten Hag talk about him over the last couple of days. And if I had to bet, I'd bet Sancho's dealing with some sort of depression. When he talks about the process and not being able to rush certain things, with Sancho, I think he's dealing with some sort of mental health problem. And it could be anxiety, it might not be depression, but it could be something like anxiety. And, you know, we forget that these footballers are real human beings. When people go on Twitter and bash young players like a Sancho and tag them and tweet at them. And remember, Sancho missed that penalty in the final of the Euros and was subjected to Absolutely heinous racial abuse. I, I think when you see these things and you hear about players, you know, that do read their social media, and most of these younger players do, older ones don't. Older players don't bother because they know it's not worth their while. And what they'll do is they'll largely hand over the management of their social media to somebody else and they'll never even think about it again. But I bet someone like Sancho does all his own social media. Oh, like there'll be the odd thing that he'll have, you know, some assistant do. But I, I bet he does most of it himself. And he's probably read a lot of the criticism for United, from United fans. And he's heard the talk that he's an expensive flop. And for a player who, from a young age, has never known what it's like to not be the best player in his team... And has always been tagged as this, you know, real star in the making. To go from where he was at Dortmund to where he is now at United and how badly that's gone and the fact that he missed out on the World Cup. I think it probably has had an effect on his mental health. So um, hopefully, hopefully we get to see Jadon Sancho back soon. I, I think he's a wonderful player. It's a shame he signed for that shower, but he's a wonderful player. And I, I want to see Jaden Sancho fulfill his ability, fulfill his potential, uh, and really, you know, let, let everybody know what he's capable of. May not happen at United, probably won't, in truth.
I don't think you can play him and, and Anthony in the same team. But I think Jaden Sancho is a player that has sky-high talent and would be incredible in a number of other teams. We'll take a break. When we come back, FA Cup time. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. I'm joined by the one and the only Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? Football's back, so not great. <laughs> not great at all, is it? Not great. Um, right, let's get into the FA Cup. We're not going to go in depth on these games. We're just going to run through them and uh, give you the, the day and the time, and I'll pick a winner, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Guy, what have you got first? Fantastic. There's two pages on the FA website, so I have to flick through different web pages for this. But we start off with tonight's game, which is obviously Friday if you're listening to this, but if you've missed it, you're screwed. Uh, we have United, uh, Man United against Everton. This is on ITV. Kicks off at 8 o'clock for the people. Um, Everton need a cup, but they th- this is not the season to do so. No, Everton's entire focus needs to be on surviving in the Premier League, so I think Everton would do well to send their reserves for this one. I'm going to go comfortable Manchester United win. I think Ten Hag will want some silverware in his first season. This is probably his best opportunity. So I think United win comfortably. Um, I'm not going to give scores today, just going to pick winners. So I'll go United to win comfortably. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, kicking off then with the half twelve kickoffs, these might be in different order to what you've got, Dave. But um, Preston off end against Huddersfield. Yeah, so Huddersfield are having a dreadful season and their focus again, like Everton, needs to be on the the league. They're currently second from bottom in the championship. Uh, Preston are going fairly well. They're 10th. They did lose three in a row, but won the last game. Uh, I'll go Preston with the home win here. Yeah, I'd think something similar. Now, a team that probably could and should push for the Cup is Tottenham Hotspur, who obviously they'll want top four, but you've got Antonio Conte. We Obviously, that may change week to week uh, with how it happens at Spurs, but this is a bloke who, when Tottenham hired, you'd think you take the Carabao Cup seriously, you take the FA Cup seriously, and you get over and you get that monkey off your back of being Spurs, basically. Yeah, they haven't won anything, I believe, since 2008. They haven't won the FA Cup since 1991 uh, when they beat Nottingham Forest in the final and Gaza wrecked his knee and it was sort of the beginning of the end of Paul Gascoigne as a world-class player. He'd already agreed the deal to go to Lazio. It ends up getting delayed. He goes there, he's way out of shape and obviously... You know, he's he's developed a, 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 a very serious drinking habit, um, goes to Rangers, comes to the Premier League, Middlesbrough, Everton, but he's never the same player. He was still great fun for Rangers, but he was never the same player as he had been before that. But Spurs traditionally were always a, a cup team. They were more a cup team than a, a league team. They've won the FA Cup eight times. This was their competition, but it's been 31 years now since they won it. Um 
Pompey have won it more recently. They obviously won it under Harry Redknapp, spent themselves into oblivion while doing it in the last 14 years or however many have been a, a tough time for them. They were relegated from the Premier League two years after that cup win. They were then relegated about three years later into League two, into the into League One, then into League Two. They're now back in League One. They recently sacked uh, Danny Danny Cowley, who was the manager. They'd had a really good start of the season, and then they just went in a really poor run. I don't think they've won in nine in the league or something like that. They beat MK Dons in the second round, three two. In the first round. They won away from home, but I can't for the life of me remember who they beat. Uh, Hereford. They beat Hereford 3-1 and MK Dons 3-2, but I think this is where it ends. I'll go for the Spurs win. Yep, I'd agree with that one. Uh, next up, we have the televised game, which is on BBC One for people in the UK. Um, we have Gillingham at, uh, against Leicester. Uh, Leicester won it a couple of years ago, so... Obviously got that out the way. Obviously they'd want to go for a cup, but they've come back from the uh, the World Cup break looking like the team that started the season mm. rather than the one that had the bit bit of a resurgence. So obviously you don't want to go out to Gillingham. I'm not sure what league Gillingham are actually in um, nowadays, but you'd expect Leicester to want to go through, but if they go out, I don't think it'd be the biggest shock because they have other things on the mind. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, Leicester have come back from the World Cup break looking like the team that began the season. And the team that began the season looked like one of the worst Premier League teams I've ever seen. But I think losing to Gillingham is a sackable offence. Gillingham are bottom of League Two. They're the worst right, team fair, fair enough, then. <laughs> in the football league right now. So, uh, you know, I don't think you can lose to them under any circumstances. Mind, he's had and, a lot of sackable offences this year. So Yeah, in fairness, Brendan should be gone. But, you know, he's still clinging on. Uh, they knocked out Dagenham and Redbridge in the second round. Gillingham did. And they beat them in a replay 3-2 after a 1-1 draw. And in their f- first round tie... They beat AFC Fylde, F-Y-L-D-E, um, who are playing in the National League North. So, you know, two two games they would have been expected to win over um, non-league opposition. I, I, Leicester have to win. Leicester have to win. We'll go with the Leicester victory here. There's no excuse. Brendan, Brendan should resign. He should be a man of honour and resign if they lose this one. Does he won't be on Tupola? Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll be his only appearance. Uh, next, these are still half 12 games, I should say. Uh, next up, we have Forest Green Rovers against Birmingham City. Um, yeah, I know nothing. <laughs> Birmingham are currently 17th in the championship, but have lost three games in a row. Um, so their form isn't brilliant. Forest Green, I believe, are in League One. I believe they're down the bottom of League One, if I'm not mistaken. They are the nailed to the bottom of League One. Uh, they've lost four in a row. So neither team comes in in particularly good form. Forest Green knocked out Alvechurch, who are in the seventh tier of English football, the Southern League Premier Division Central. 
in Beard. the last round. So that's, you know, big a big scalp there. And prior to that, they'd knocked out South Shields, who are up your neck of the woods. Absolutely. Um, and they play in the Northern Premier League, which is also the seventh tier. So a bit of a step up for them in this one. But, you know, at home, you might back them. Early kickoff, you might back them to beat Birmingham. I'm going to go for the upset because I love an upset on third round Saturday. I'm going to go Forest Green Rovers to win that game. We should say there's no replays anymore as well. No replays. They go straight. Is there extra time? Or extra time. Ec- no, okay. extra time and then and then penalties. Perfect. Um, another half 12, Palace against Southampton. Just a regular Premier League game. I mean, Southampton could do without a cup run. They, they are stanky at the minute. Yeah, Southampton could just do well with not bothering. Um, Palace haven't been great since the restart either. True. But, but Southampton are the worst team in the league by a considerable margin right now. Five defeats on the bounce in the Premier League. Nathan Jones doesn't really seem to have a handle on what he's doing yet. I'm going to go for the Palace win. They're at home. There's a, a little bit of dissent beginning among the fan base about how poor they've been. Obviously, walloped by Spurs was unacceptable. So I think they've got to win this game. So I'll go with the Palace win. Yep, I'd agree with that. Last of the half 12s, we have Reading against Watford. So this is an old championship game. Reading currently sit uh, 13th in the championship. Watford are 4th. This should be a decent game. Maybe other than the Palace-Southampton game. Maybe it's the closest run thing with Watford being at home. I think I'll give the edge to Watford and I'll pick uh, them it's at to Reading. Reading. Oh, sorry, it's at Reading. So I'll go for Reading then. They're yeah. at home. I'll give them the edge. Paul Inter's men. Um, onto oh, I forgot week. about him. No, Watford <laughs> to win. Watford to win. I'm never ever picking a Paul Inter. Who, who is Watford what? To who's win. Watford's manager? Oh, it's Billich, isn't it? Is it Billich? Slavin Billich, yeah. Yes, of course it is. Uh, well, that might change by the time it kicks off. Who knows? Uh, on to the three o'clock kickoff. We have Michael Carrick, best manager in the world, Middlesbrough team, apparently, um, against Brighton, who, well, if they score, they're brilliant. That's basically it. Um, this should, I think this should be a fun game. I'm surprised it's not picked for telly, this one, to be honest. Um, Middlesbrough, I think, announced Cameron Archer as well today, which is a, should be a fun little pickup as a striker. Mm. Um, yeah, very good. Very good get for them. Yeah. Um, Carrick really has Borough playing well. And I mean, they're up to fifth in the division when you consider where they were when he took over. It's, it's very, very impressive. But at the same time, it's very impressive how Deserby has taken over, overcome a difficult start where they played a bunch of the top teams. And he's gotten some great results. And I mean, the performance against Everton was absolutely fantastic. He's got a bunch of players full of confidence right now. I'd imagine he'll rotate here and play some of the younger players. Um but I, I still Mind think he's done that in the Premier League to be fair. Yeah. He's not he's not scared to play these kids, which is great to see. I'm I'm really hopeful that Evan Ferguson will keep his mm. place in the team. And I'm hopeful that Andrew Moran, um, who might be the most talented young Irish player, you know, emerging right now. Uh, I'm hopeful both of them will start. 
Um, I know it's it's up at Borough, which is a long mm-hmm. trip from Brighton. Yeah. Like that's a long old trip. Um, I need to know how long that is. How far is it? Now I assume they'll fly. Um, but for the fans who don't get to fly, it is a five hour and forty minute drive in a car. We do have an airport now, so you can actually go straight to well, Teesside, not Borough, but from yeah, yeah you fly from Gatwick. Is it not Southampton? There's a Southampton airport, isn't it? There is a Southampton airport, but it's quicker to get from Brighton to Gatwick than right, it is okay. Brighton to Southampton. Um, I still think more of them will either bus it or get the train. Because you can get the train into London and then the London then the train you can from go London. To Arlington, yeah. Yeah. That's a long journey. It's seven hours and fifty-three minutes by train. I guess it's about seven hours by bus. That's not fun, is it? That's a four AM start. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's not fun at all. But that's what the FA Cup is about. It's about doing something ridiculous <laughs> of a Saturday morning. I um, ne- I nearly joined my mate from Borough to watch a Plymouth game in Plymouth. I nearly did that on the bus. That would have been a mistake, but that would have been that's that's a, a manic yeah, event. I don't even support Borough. <laughs> that would have been a venture to Plymouth. We're getting sidetracked, yes. and I love it. We are. It's six lessons. hours and 36 minutes by car. By car. From <laughs> to Plymouth. So it's about eight hours on the bus. And if you want to get the train, it is nearly 10 hours. It's actually nearly 11 hours. There's one train that you can get. I would have been, I would have still been on that journey right now. <laughs> Change twice. That's horrendous. Oh, it's not even. It's buses. It's buses. You get a mega bus from Middlesbrough to Leeds. Another mega bus from Leeds. It looks like to Bristol, and then another one. From Bristol to Plymouth, it's eleven hours, but you're changing buses. If you're going by, you know, a a coach that has been hired for the purpose of bringing fans, it wouldn't be as long. But that that's a horrendous journey. Oh, that's not that's not a bit of me at all. I I when I was moving back from the UK, I I had quite a lot of stuff with me, so I figured the best way to come back was by ferry. So I got the bus. Well, I got the I got the train from Brighton to London. Had to haul my belongings across to the bus station. Got the bus to Hollyhead. Then had to get off the bus, drag my cases and everything I had with me through the customs office. Get back on the bus, and then it was an overnight crossing, and it was absolutely horrendous. Fantastic. And I've sworn never to do it again, but I do enjoy I do enjoy an old bus journey. Um, but she's not that. That's horrendous. Moving on, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a Middlesbrough upset here. They had a cup run last year, didn't they? The beat. Yes, I'm going to go United and okay, I'm going to go for the Borough upset here. I think Carrick has them playing in a way that with with the long travel and that, I just think it might be it might be in their favour. I'll go for the Borough upset. 
And to be fair, Brighton are in European spots. With... Yes, this is two clubs that I, I adore. Like, I've loved Borough since they first came into the Premier League because it was so exciting. They came up, Brian Robson was the manager. They built this new stadium and then they started to bring in players like Nicky Barnby and Janino and Ravinelli and Emerson. And they just seem to not care at all that this is not how newly promoted clubs behaved. Hmm. They get to the two cup finals and get relegated in the same season, which is just one of the maddest seasons you'll ever have. And there's a great book called You're Joking, Aren't You? that we had Tom Flight on. I think it was Tom Flight. Flight is definitely a surname. I think, I, think Tom Tom. I think it was Tom. I think it was Tom. Really nice guy. He was on this pod about two years ago to talk about the book. And uh, so from then, I've I've had a real soft spot for Borough. And obviously, I lived in Brighton, and I, I had a season ticket at Brighton, and I used to go to their crappy ground and watch crappy football with my mates, and we, you know, curse and swear and give out about things. And now, they're probably the best run club in England, when <laughs> then they were probably one of the worst run clubs in England. And Tony Bloom bought the club while I was going, and little did we know what he was going to do. But yeah, so I've always had a soft spot for both teams, but I'm going to pick Borough to go through, because they're at home. Good stuff. Uh, moving on, then we have Chesterfield against West Brom. Uh, West Brom are turning things around really well in the championship. They're now up to ninth. It's weird uh, not having Steve Bruce as a manager. Uh, yeah, amazing. <laughs> you, you get rid of Steve Bruce, and all of a sudden you're not crap. I mean, you know, Newcastle now, now West Brom. Um, am I right in thinking that he was the manager that was sacked when Dean Smith took over and got yes, Villa promoted? I think so, they were like 17th when he got them promoted yeah. that season. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, sack Steve Bruce mid-season and you'll uh, you'll turn your fortune get promoted. Um, I, I'm going to go for the West Brom win here. Uh, Chesterfield, they're in the uh, National League. They knocked out Northampton Town, who were in League Two in the first round, and they knocked out. AFC Wimbledon, who were also in League Two in the second round. So yeah, two two little giant killing events for them there. And you know, they're currently Third in the National League, th- uh, seven points behind Wrexham in second, nine behind Notts County or top. But they do have two games in hand on Notts County. But I think this is where it comes to an end for them. I will go for West Brom to win away from home. Yeah, it might be a step too far, that one. Next up, we have Boreham Wood against Accrington Stanley. Boreham Wood have done fairly well in the cup over the last couple of years getting to this stage which is you know it's no mean feat to get to the the third round proper as a non-league team um to get here thus far they knocked out bristol rovers who are league one team managed by joey barton in a replay 2-0 in the second round in the first round they knocked out God, I did see this just a second ago. Now I can't find it. I saw who they knocked out. Now I can't find it. Oh, it doesn't really matter. Um, oh, and it does because it's going to annoy me if I don't know. 
I literally saw it there a second ago. Oh, Eastley. They knocked out Eastley in the first round. Uh, Boreham Wood are currently 13th in the National League. So that's not going great for them. I'll go with Accrington Stanley to win. Um, They're 20th in League One. This would be a nice giant killing for Boreham Wood if they could pull it off. Aki knocked out Crawley Town 4-1 in the first round. And in the second round, they knocked out Barnet. I'm going to go for Accrington Stanley to win. But I wouldn't be surprised at an upset here because Boreham Wood just seemed to enjoy the cup quite a lot. Yeah. We'll run through a few of these quickly because I think we're well, we're doing what we usually do. But I think some of these games aren't too interesting. Uh, Bournemouth against Burnley. Obviously, Burnley, better team at the minute, mm. you'd probably say. Whereas yeah. Bournemouth, relegation scrap, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, Bournemouth are on their way down. Burnley are on the way up, and I'm going to pick Burnley to win this game away from home. Fleetwood against QPR. QPR have had a strange season. They were top. Mick Beal was offered the Wolves job, spoke about loyalty, bid them off to go to Rangers. They brought in Neil Critchley. He's had a bit of a tough start to life there. Um, but I think this is a game that they they should win. Fleetwood currently 13th in League Wood. QPR 12th in the Championship. I'll go QPR to win that one. Uh, Blackpool against Nottingham Forest. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm going to go for Forest to win this one. They had a decent little spin in the Cup last year. Knocked at Arsenal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes. They've got their tails up a little bit. They've won two of their last four. They've taken eight points from the last five games, which is... a uh, a massive improvement on the dreck that we saw through their first six or seven games. Um, I think I'm going to go with Forrest to win. Blackpool are currently 22nd in the championship. They haven't won in their last five games in the league. So I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Forrest to win. Uh, Hull against Fulham. Um, Fulham, not too far away from safety to be fair. No, Fulham are, Fulham are having a really good season to the credit, and um, I, I think they've been quite impressive. Uh, Hull, Mitrovic will not play <laughs> this game. No, Mitrovic, if, if he does play, the manager should be sacked. He can't risk him. Hull are in decent form, though. They haven't lost in five, and they won the last two games. They've turned their season around quite a bit, and they look like they're marching to safety, whereas they had looked like they were potentially uh, going to be relegation father. Who's Hull's manager now? Um, Hull City FC. I can't think who their manager is. It is oh Liam Rossinger, a senior oh, Liam Rossinger, yeah. Who remember a lot of people had tipped to get the Derby job, and a lot of people believe he was actually the real intelligence behind Wayne Rooney. But he's had eight games in charge now. Uh, won three, drawn four, only one defeat. Did pretty well as interim manager of Derby to begin the season as well. I do like um, The Phil Brown team was funny. They were fun. They were fun. And they've got a decent squad now. But What was that Brazilian guy called? Uh, what's his name? The one who only played like well in summer and late spring. <sighs> That's going to annoy me. I'll Google it whilst we move on. I can't uh, remember what his name is, but I know the guy you're talking yes. about. Yes. But... 
Yeah, I mean, they, they fired shot at Arvaladze, who'd had a disaster start. They've turned things around. It's a fair play to Hull. Uh, we will go with... Giovanni. Giovanni, that's him. We'll go with the Fulham win, though, because, you know, Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, and they can take it seriously. Uh, Millwall against Sheffield United. I'm fundamentally opposed to all things Millwall. Millwall are having a decent season, though. They're sixth in the championship. Obviously, Sheffield United are having a really good season. They're second in the championship. Sheffield United are in great form. Millwall are in decent form. It's at Millwall, isn't it? Yeah, it is at Millwall. I'm going to go for Millwall to win at home. I am. I'm going to go to Millwall for Millwall to win at home. The Den is about as intimidating a place as there is to go in England. So, yeah, I'm going to go for the Den, the, the home win. Uh, Shrewsbury Town against Sunderland. I don't know. What, I'll just say so. I was going to say AFC. Just Sunderland. We don't need that. We don't uh, need that. Sunderland yeah. have turned themselves around, though. What a what, what a nice uh, bit of form under Tony Mowbray. Um, credit to them. I think it's nice to see Shrewsbury. We normally beat them in the cup. Uh, they're currently sixteenth in the in League One. They've lost three in a row. Uh, we'll go for a Sunderland win. Ipswich against Rotherham. I've been impressed by what I've seen of Ipswich this year. Kieran McKenna has them playing really nice football. They're third in the League One table right now. Rotherham obviously are a championship team, but at the moment in name only. They've lost four in a row. Sorry, no, they've lost four of five, two in a row. They're one point outside the relegation zone. Only three points off the bottom. Um, I'm going to go for an Ipswich upset here. Is it really an upset, though? They're third in the championship. I'm not sure it's an upset, but I'm going to go for Ipswich to win. I'm guessing you meant League One, not the championship there. Oh, League One. Sorry, yeah, yes. League One. Um, Brentford against West Ham. Another team that probably doesn't need a cup run. Where, well, Brentford, again, similar to Fulham, probably already safe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, if I was Brentford, I'd be going all in on this just to see how you do. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for the Brentford home win. Uh, like you said, West Ham, they're, they're a disaster this season. So I'm going to go for Brentford to win. These are mm-hmm. the 5.30 kickoffs. Yes, I was yeah? just about yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think this is the televised one. What channel is that? S4C, is that BBC Wales? Maybe. Coventry uh, against Wrexham, the Hollywood boys, um, will probably be there, I imagine. Um, this one has FA Cup written all over it. I love this. I love this. Coventry, when I was growing up, Coventry were always a Premier League team. And, you know, they had Ron Atkinson as manager and they bought everybody from Crystal Palace. Richard Shaw, John Salako. But then they had really fun players like Darren Huckerby was there. Robbie Keane was there. Dion Dublin was there. Um, what was his name? Mustafa El Hadji or something was his name. Mustafa Hadji. They had a fun team in the nineties, uh, and one of my one of my favorite memories of FA Cup third round Saturday is a late kickoff. Arsenal away to Wrexham, and Mickey Thomas scores an absolute worldie of a goal to give Wrexham the win. And my uncle George, who's no longer with us, he he was an Arsenal fan, a massive Arsenal fan. 
And when Wrexham scored, the entire pub, bar him, was up on the counter <laughs> and he was just stood there devastated before all his mates started giving him endless abuse. One of the best memories I have. So uh, as a young, as a, as a kid, I think it was about nine or ten at the time. Um, absolutely brilliant. So um, I'm going to go for Coventry win because they're a championship team and they're a decent championship team. They're currently mid-table sitting in 14th. But Wrexham are having a good season. They're um, second in the National League, but their whole focus needs to be the league. They've got to get promoted this year. That's the whole purpose of Reynolds and McElhenney buying the club. Uh, get yourself promoted. So the FA Cup is just, you know, it's a bonus or whatever, but I'm going to go for the Coventry win. Yeah. I think that is BBC Wales. I think you can watch it on the iPlayer as well if you don't know how to find that. It's like channel a billion on Sky and stuff like that, but it's an iPlayer. Uh, last one on the first page is Luton against Wigan. Call it, got, got, got a back call though. Got to. Um, Wigan are bottom of the championship. They're awful. It's not his fault. <laughs> Luton are seventh in the championship and are quite good. They've both changed managers recently. Wigan by choice. Luton not so much by choice. I'm I'm, I'm going to have to go for Luton. I'm afraid. How dare I have you? To go, yeah, I have to go for Luton. I can't buy Wigan are awful. <laughs> I'll pick them to win anything. Maybe Cola plays himself at centre back. He would probably be better off. <laughs> he probably would be better off. To, um, doing it himself because Jesus Lord wept they're they're dreadful now it is worth pointing out five games in charge one draw four losses so you might say it's not Colo's fault but kind of is Colo's fault he has not done well as someone who is doing a Wigan football manager save it is never the manager's fault it's the board's fault for not backing me well they are a, a, a bit of a train wreck to be fair um but they have undoubtedly undoubtedly gotten worse under Colo Touring. they won their last game before he took over um but, you know, they, <laughs> do you know what's what's mad is like at one point this season they were ninth after mm. 14 games and now 12 games later they're bottom with one win two draws and all the rest of defeats they've lost it smelt like a Neil Warnock job, that. They've lost 15 of their last 20 games, having lost only one of their first six. That was not a job for a newbie manager. <laughs> no, no. They, like you said, Neil Warnock was the man here. Uh, Neil Warnock saying he's interested in the Portsmouth job. Oh, yes. Fantastic. That would be a very Neil Warnock job. They'll be up in the championship in no time. No time at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this was not this. This was a Steve Bruce job. He's already been at Wigan. He'd have happily gone back. Oh, that's um, a show. And then they could yeah. have sacked him instead of. Exactly. You get him in for six weeks. You sack him, and you probably get promoted. You get playoffs. Just, just how these <laughs> things work. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we'll go Luton for the win here. Yeah. Uh, on to page two of these games, we have Gr- uh, Grimsby Town against Burton Albion. This is at the last half half five kickoff, if I can speak. Um. Burton are not doing well. Burton are currently fourth from bottom of the of the League One table. So less than ideal. Uh Grimsby are in League Two, currently sitting sixteenth. 
they're fairly just mediocre run of the mill. Grimsby are at home. And I've never been to Grimsby, but my just my imagination of the place is that it's a fairly grim place to go. Um, and I, you know, I, I've seen bits and pieces of the stadium, and there's a Sasha Baron Cohen film where it's set in Grimsby. If you wanna wanna see that, is they probably they won't paint it in a good light, but I can't remember what it's bloody called. It's where you know the, the kid, you know the kid from This Is England. Yes, is Sean Thomas something. He's from Grimsby, and I remember seeing a video on YouTube a year or so ago where he brought somebody to the stadium for a tour, and it, it just looked grim. It, it just didn't look like a fun place to be. Now, no, no disrespect to anybody who's from Grimsby. I'm sure there's a lot more good than bad in the town, but it just didn't look like an enjoyable place to be. And I don't think it'd be an enjoyable place to go and play football. So I'm going to pick Grimsby to win on their home pitch. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we move on to a six o'clock kickoff, which is on the Beeb. Uh, we have Sheffield Wednesday against Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle, well, they're probably the one who needs a cup the most. Obviously, mm. new ownership and stuff like that are going so well in the league. But this is a real opportunity because there's so many big teams underperforming and probably yeah. won't take the t- cups too seriously. No, and they're already going really well in the League Cup as well. So they'll want to give themselves as many avenues as possible to get some silverware. So I think you're right. Now, Sheffield Wednesday are having a good season, to their credit. Uh, second in League One. But, I mean, the Toon are, what, third in the Premier League? It's the Toon to win. Uh, we're going to go for Newcastle win here. It looks like Alexander Isak is going to be back on the bench. So that's a big plus for them. They could do it getting him up and running and, and scoring some goals. I'll go for the Toon win. Yeah, Liverpool. <laughs> eight o'clock kickoff. Uh, this is on ITV Four. Liverpool against Wolves. Um, I don't want the Europa League. I don't want to win this competition. Uh, for those that aren't aware, the reason Guy doesn't want the Europa League is because if there is Europa League games, he knows myself and Trev Downey will not be doing the post-match podcasts because Thursday nights just aren't our bag, and he'll have to do them as he is having to do this game because domestic cups are also blows. Um I, I I don't even think I'm gonna watch. Genuinely, I don't even think I'll watch the game. Unless we win and I'll watch the, I'll watch it on a replay, but I, I I can't be arsed watching a game at eight o'clock on a Saturday night unless it's an important game. And the FA Cup to me just isn't important this season. Liverpool are, are garbage. Unfortunately Wolves are also garbage this season. More garbage. Um, my hope here is Liverpool play a very weakened team and Wolves go full strength to try and get some confidence and some momentum and Wolves win. Uh, I'm going to say that Liverpool will win because they're at home and they're the better team. But my hope is that they lose and go out because I don't want them in the competition. I want them focused on the league and the Champions League and nothing else because nothing else matters at the moment. Absolutely. Um, moving on to Sunday, then we have half 12 kickoff, um, which aren't on telly for whatever reason. Derby against Barnsley. Yeah, uh, Derby obviously have righted the ship. They're in a much better position than they were 12 months ago. 
They're fourth in League One, looking like a good bet for the playoffs. Um, Barnsley, I mean, I, 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 I never know what to make of Barnsley. They're seemingly a well-run club, but they do strange things. But they are sixth in the in the championship. They're only a point behind Derby with a game in hand. So this is very, very evenly evenly balanced. With Derby being at home, I'm going to go for a Derby win. Uh, and I'm going to christen this the Brian Clough Derby of the third round. He didn't have anything to do with Barnsley other than Mark Crossley, former Nottingham Forest goalkeeper, tells some great stories about Brian Clough. And Mark Crossley is from Barnsley. And he just tells these stories about... Illy. 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 (laughs) Barnsley. Barnsley. The imbeciles from Barnsley. Yeah, so this is the Brian Clough. that obviously did manage Derby and won the league there. But yeah, I'm, I'm christening this the Brian Clough Derby of the round. And uh, I'm going to go for Tarby County to win. The 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 Dean if you have, like the Dean Saunders story when Brian Clough fantastic is one of the best things you'll ever hear. If you have an hour today, go on YouTube and just type in funny Brian Clough story. And there's some of them. Like there's the one about the. The Wimbledon coming to the Play city ground. music now, Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Alan Hill, like, was just, he was one of Clough's coaches and assistants, and he was just, he's always in the mix of something silly. But yeah, um, go and go and spend an hour listening to funny Brian Clough stories. Mark Crossley has a bunch. Saunders has a, that one, which is just brilliant. And there's a bunch of others, and honest to God, if you don't laugh, you you might just not have a not not have a sense of humor. These are hilarious. Um, so go and listen to them. Right, let's move on. Uh, Bristol City against Swansea. Uh two fairly run of the mill average championship teams. Bristol in nineteenth, Swansea in fifteenth. Neither in particularly good form, but I'm gonna go. They're quite close together, so the distance isn't really a big a big thing. I mean, Bristol's pretty much in Wales anyway. Um, I'm going to go for the Bristol win because they're at home and because I've always had a bit of a... I, I like Bristol as a city. I always enjoyed going to Bristol. Stockport County against Walsall. Um, don't even know where to begin with this one. Stockport County and Walsall. I mean, Stockport and Walsall are both in League 2. Stockport are 13th. Walsall are 9th. There's two points between them. They've played the same number of games. They're both fairly average for their level. The game is in Stockport, so I'm going to pick Stockport to win. No other reason that they're the home team. Cardiff against these are that was a two o'clock kickoff, and so was this, I should say. Uh, Cardiff against Leeds, this is on ITV One. Ah, Cardiff are in a bit of bother, aren't they? And they got transfer embargoed and stuff. Yeah, and they're 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 twentieth in the championship. They've no wins in five. Now four of them were draws, but they're they're not going well at all. Only four points off the bottom of the league, two points out of the relegation zone. 
it, it's not good for Cardiff at all. Um, Leeds, look, they're they're very hit and miss, but they had a great result against Newcastle, getting the draw there, and then they drew at home with uh, with West Ham. They've got a lot of young players that they can give an opportunity to here. I'm going to pick Leeds to win this game. And I, I want to see Jesse Marsh succeed because I do like him. Uh, and, I, you know, this is getting a good cup run going could be a decent way to to kind of get more of the fans on board. Yeah, makes sense. 25 years ago, by the way, mm. this would have been an absolute war of a game because these two clubs both had psychotic fan bases that would go and kick lumps out of everybody. And this is one of those games that you would have heard where there was massive police presence, a police presence. You know, it would have been a lot, not, not quite to the level of West Ham Millwall, but it would have been right up there. This was a proper old school battle. But uh, now obviously things are a bit more calm. So we're going to go for the Leeds win. Norwich City against Blackburn. Have they got a manager yet? No, Norwich don't have a manager. It looks like it will be David Wagner. Uh, Norwich 11th in the championship. But that's a bit of a fake position. They're only three points behind Borough, who are fifth. Um, and they've just had a dreadful run where they've lost three of four. Uh, Blackburn obviously going quite well, sitting third. Strangest team in the division. 14 wins, 12 defeats. Um, <laughs> only only <laughs> Reading. The only teams that have lost, have lost more games than them are Huddersfield and Wigan, who are the bottom Fantastic. Two. I respect a team that doesn't do draws. Yeah, no, draws are a waste of time. You either win or you lose, or you just don't bother. Um, 30 goals scored, 30 goals conceded, Fantastic. zero goal difference. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most championship thing ever. Well, didn't Preston have a record where they only scored one goal in every game until the World Cup break? Uh, yeah, they're pretty much, they're actually below that now. They're 24 <laughs> and 26. Blackburn are just mental. I don't know what John Tull Thomason is, is, is cooking there, but it, it's great crack. We need that um, in the Premier League. I'm going to go for the Blackburn win. I'm going to go for the Blackburn win. Norwich, I think, have bigger things to worry about. True. Uh, Hartlepool against Stoke. Um, Hartlepool are in League 2. Stoke are in the Championship. They're not a great Championship team. They're currently 18th. Hartlepool are currently... 22nd in League 2. If Stoke lose... They should sack the manager. We'll go with the Stoke win. Man City against Chelsea again. Yeah, this is a good one. The (laughs) the, the funniest part of last night's uh, Man City game at Chelsea was after Pep had done his post-game press conference, they started putting up all the banners for the FA Cup (laughs) and made him do his his FA. And he he was asking, should he change his jumper? Um, (laughs) City have only won this competition once under Pep, which is a surprise to me. Chelsea have been one of the more dominant FA Cup teams over the last 20 years. Won it five times, lost four finals, and lost the last three finals in a row. But I'm going to go for a Man City win. I I think City knocked them out. I I think Chelsea obviously picked up a few more injuries last night. City have a better squad. They're just a better team. And... um, I'm going to go for the City win. We'll go City to win. To be fair, maybe you full Chelsea inspires a bit. I know Hall, Hopefully. Came on, came on, did well, etc. 
But that, that's um, at half four and that's on BBC One as well, I should say. For the listeners, uh, another half four game. This is the last of Sunday, but we do have a Monday one. We have Villa against Stevenage. Looks like Villa might be signing a new left back because Ben Doak retired Luca Dinia a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Aston Villa, Stevenage. I mean, Villa should win this game. They're a Premier League team. And despite the fact that Stevenage are doing very well this season and are second in League Two, they're still in League Two. Uh, Unai Emery does love a cup. So I am going to say, normally a European cup, but he have, doesn't have that option this year. So the FA Cup will have to do, I'm going to say Villa to win comfortably at home over, you know, a League Two team. Just get him a Welsh team. That's European enough. I'll do it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, on to Monday then, um, 8 o'clock kickoff on ITV1, Oxford against Arsenal. Why is this game on television? It just feels like, like they just want Arsenal to lose. <laughs> it, it must be. Arsenal obviously top of the Premier League. Oxford are 14th in League 1. They're 14th. They're not good. They've got one win in five. Arsenal are going to wallop them. Even though the game is at Oxford... And, you know, it's a Monday night and it's all a little bit weird. Oxford, they're not going to beat Arsenal. Arsenal to win comfortably. And that's the last game. And that's it. That'll do us for the week, folks. We will see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy third round Saturday. Third round weekend. But third round Saturday is what's really important here. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.